Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. So what are you, uh, what are you hoping for this Christmas? If you have uh, kids still in your home, they've let you know what they're hoping for, right? <laughs> Our grandkids uh, are getting old enough now, they're letting us know what they're hoping for this Christmas. You know, but as soon as I thought of that question, my mind went back to when I was pastoring in Edmonton, Alberta, and I heard about a story about uh, the new British ambassador to the United States. A journalist called him and said, doing a story about uh, hope uh, this Christmas in our dark world, and, and uh, just, anyway, just wanted to ask you, it was his first time being uh, ambassador, and uh, so he sort of knew at this, but he, he thought the journalist was sort of offering him a gift, and the, the journalist said, so what are you hoping for this Christmas? And he said, well, we're, and he was thinking to himself, we're not allowed to accept gifts, you know, and so he, he just sort of tried to get out of the question, but the journalist put more pressure on him and said, you know, I've been talking to the French ambassador, the Kenyan ambassador, and uh, they've told me, and what would you like for Christmas? He said, well, I'd really like a jar of mint jelly. <laughs> so you can imagine his surprise slash embarrassment when the TV special <laughs> came on, and of course, were these ambassadors to the United States from these countries of the world were uh, hoping for peace on earth, for the war in the Middle East to cease, for a solution to the AIDS crisis. And the British ambassador, when asked what he was hoping for this Christmas, asked for a jar of mint jelly. <laughs> but you know, it's understandable because we ask that word hope to stretch out and cover such a a scope, such a breadth of, of meanings, all right? I, I'm going to need your help here because uh, he, hope can mean this. It can mean I wish, right? Now, what we're looking at on this graph are the, say it with me because I know it's December month and your minds can be a bit foggy from, anyway, Christmas thing, preparations, all that. levels of Certainty. Okay, we're not looking at what you're hoping for, whether you agree with the hope or not. We're saying how certain, how likelihood, how likely, what's the likelihood of that, uh, of that hope, all right? So one could be, you know, we can ask hope to just say, I wish. I wish for a jar of mint jelly, you know, it just could be a wish. But it can be stronger than that, that word hope. It can also be an expectation. I expect this to happen. I don't just wish for it. I, I, I'm expecting this. It can get stronger. Uh, I believe. I believe. It can even get stronger. I'm guaranteed that this is going to happen. I, I, it, it's guaranteed. 
guaranteed. Now, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to ask seven questions. And again, this is a... Oh, uh, this is all about levels of certainty, all right? So you're not saying, this is what I would hope for. For instance, the first one's this, you know. I hope that Toronto gets snow for Christmas. I could ask for a vote, and you would vote, well, I hope it does, I hope it doesn't. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about levels of? If you say, if someone says, I hope it snows in Toronto this Christmas, how certain can they be that what they're hoping for is going to come to pass. Do you see it? Do you see it? Upstairs? All right. Now, I want to involve those that are online. So I, I'm going to give them the fourth question, all right? So I'm going to tell them what it is now. You who are online, you get ready to... Now, you're, you're not talking about whether you want this to happen. You wish for it. You're talking about... I heard you say it online, certainty, all right? Your level of certainty. So the fourth question is this. Um, if someone says, I hope the Leafs win the Stanley Cup this year, how certain are they that that's going to happen, all right? How certain is that hope? That's yours, all right? So you get in the chat room now, and you give it a number, one to five, if you, if you think it's guaranteed, or it's just a wish, or something less, all right? All right, here's the second question. All right, this is Keith Smith, all right? My hope. I, my hope is to be a more popular musical artist than Drake and Taylor Swift combined. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Or if I say, I hope to take a trip somewhere warm this January. I'm sensing no laughter. That there, there could be, you know, it's not just a wish, it's maybe a... And then, all right. Well, we're at number four now. Do, do we have a response from the chat room? All right. What is the confidence level of the hope? that the, um, the Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup, all right? Do I have an answer from our online audience? All right, we're going to come back to it, all right? They're struggling with this, all right? All right, fifth question. If I say to someone as they head out the door, I hope you have a good day, is that a wish? Expectation? Is that a belief? Is it guaranteed? What about this one? I hope my five grandchildren grow up in a world where racism is a thing of the past. Is that a wish? Is that a hope? Is that expectation? Is it guaranteed? All right, we're we hearing from our online. <laughs> That's, here's, here's the, I, I, I don't know where you people will put this. Our online audience has answered that question, all right? I hope that the Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup. It's a minus point <laughs> six, six, seven percent. All right? I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not with them. You know, listen, if, if, the, if the Leafs, how many say that's just a dream? That's just a wish, you know? But I'll tell you, if it's just a dream, 
And that means that if they win the Stanley Cup over the Montreal Canadiens for Pastor Jonathan Smith, it will be a nightmare. That's what that means. All right? What about this one? I hope I go to heaven when I die. Where would you put that? Is that a wish? A lot of people it is. It's an expectation, belief. Is it guaranteed? What's the level of certainty? How do we determine the level of certainty? How do we figure out what's a wish and then what's a guarantee? How do we determine? I think we need to ask three questions. The first one is this. What is the track record of the one that is offering the hope? All right? That's... That tells you a lot, doesn't it? If they have a track record for doing what they say, fulfilling their promises. And then secondly, do they have the power and desire to deliver the hope they promise? And third, do they have control over the future to make the hope happen? Because you can have the power and desire, but you don't have a whole lot of control over the future. For instance, is it going to snow in Toronto this Christmas, it depends. You know, you can get information from the weather forecasters, but you have to believe in their meteorological models and the science that is there. What are they seeing that helps them predict something that is out there? Um, and, and, and what if, when I share my hope that I, I hope to be more popular than Drake and Taylor Swift combined? You know... Would you give that less than point zero? <laughs> no. <laughs> or I, I hope we'll be somewhere, I'll be traveling somewhere as warm for a week this January. Well, it helps you to know certain information that I've got a world traveling sister-in-law that has made reservations for Esther and I. We have the tickets already. Is it guaranteed though? Hey. Is it guaranteed? Well, I guess not, because world events, airline strike, sickness, the Leafs winning the Stanley Cup, well, we've already established that. The online audience has spoken. <laughs> Do I hope my grandchildren grow up in a world where racism is a thing of the past? Oh, I strongly desire that. But does that make it more likely to happen because I strongly desire it? the hope of heaven. How can we know for sure? You see, in our real life lives, we, we get our hopes up, sometimes only to have them smashed. And it happens again and again, we just get disillusioned with getting our hopes up again. You know, it happens this way for us in real life, doesn't it? When sickness uh, hits us or someone that we care about, especially if it's, you know, a very serious thing. Uh, another one, we get our hopes up for school or job. I don't know how many young adults, they, they had their hopes up to get into a certain university, some post-secondary education institution, and, and their hopes were there. Uh, we, we get our hopes up when our expectations of friends and of marriage, you know what someone said about marriage, what was it we told someone last week, Esther, keep your... Keep your eyes fully open before and half closed after. Anyway, because people have expectations of marriage and relational happiness. You know, if I just have this friend and they get their expectations up uh, for peace in the world, the future of the climate. We, we get our hopes up that things will change. Things that we pray for, we, 
we get our hopes up. And then when it doesn't happen, when we, we say hope has died, hope has died, it's hopeless now. And I came across, listen to the cynical, I looked up, googled hope, quotes on hope. Listen to how cynical some get. Hope is the last thing a person does before they are defeated. <laughs> That's encouraging. Here's another one. Hope is the only universal liar who never loses his reputation for veracity. I'm glad I came to church. Well, you know, and you've heard that. Abandon hope, all who enter here, Dante. I, I, think, I, think, I think we're going to like a whole lot more what the Bible says about hope for the future. In the New Testament, written in Greek, it's the word elpis. The, the English word that we translate hope, it, it more means an expectation. An antici I anticipate this is what is going to happen. So let's go for the biggest one. What's the biggest hope a human can ever have? That the future would be better, and that even after I die, that there's an afterlife, where I will live forever, and things will be the way that, that God wants them to be. All the hopes that I have for this world, that they'll actually be fulfilled, and I won't be disappointed or disillusioned in the afterlife in heaven. And Jesus, he, he certainly raised our hopes about the afterlife. Listen to him speaking to his followers. He says, I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Wow. You know, and, and, and the... The first century followers of Jesus took that so seriously. They would even have a, a way, of, one of the ways that they would greet one another. We don't know how widespread it was, but some used the phrase Maranatha. Oh Lord, come. Come quickly. So certain of the promise, I didn't know this till I was studying this past week, but do you know what? That in the first century uh, church, that word hope went from just being a verb, you know, I hope that this will happen, to being a noun, the hope. Instead of just hoping, it was the hope. Listen to uh, the Apostle Paul writing to Pastor Titus. He says, we wait for the, there it is, a noun form, the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, how certain can we be that that's going to happen? In this room, we've basically put all our eggs in that basket, haven't we? <laughs> Most of us are, are saying, it's guaranteed, it's going to happen, but hold, hold on. Let's put it through the same three questions that help us determine the level of certainty, all right? Same thing, all right? What's the track record of the one who is offering the hope? Do you know that, uh, related to that, uh, 33 years that Jesus lived, from when he was born at Christmas till he died and rose again, Good Friday and Easter, in those 33 years, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies. Most were written, listen to me, centuries before he arrived on the planet at Christmas. Things like what? That he'd be born in 
Bethlehem, that he'd be betrayed by a friend, that he'd have a bloody death, that he would die with evildoers, that he would be buried in a rich man's grave, but then he would live to see his offspring. It's all there, written there in centuries before Jesus arrived. So Peter Stoner, quite a name, Peter Stoner, chairman of the departments of mathematics and astronomy at Pasadena College, California, looked at, he he took, remember I said there's over 300, he took just eight, just eight of the prophecies about Jesus, and he worked on a model with extremely conservative probabilities for each one being fulfilled, and then he considered the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling all eight of these prophecies. It was 10 to the power of 17, and that, you know, to my mind, it doesn't mean a whole lot. So in Science Speaks, uh, Dr. Stoner illustrated it this way. He said, if you took 10 to the power of 17 silver dollars, all right? Now, I know we don't know what silver dollars are in this digital age, so I thought I'd better get a picture of them, all right? (laughs) And we lay them on the face of Texas. How many know things are bigger in Texas, right? They will cover all of the state two feet deep. That's 61 centimeters deep. Now, Mark just one of these silver dollars, stir the whole mass thoroughly all over the state, blindfold a man and tell him he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up the one silver dollar that is marked and say, this is the right one. That's the same probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight of the over 300 prophecies that were written centuries before he came at Christmas. What am I saying? How many know when God promises hope, God has a pretty good track record? (laughs) It's a good track record. Our hope of heaven isn't based on wishful thinking. It isn't based on a desire to escape from reality to a place where everything is done right. When it comes to believing in Jesus, it's, it's uh, placing our faith in someone who has a perfect track record for keeping their promises. Right on? Perfect record in keeping their promises. So, so that's why uh, Jesus joins the over 200 prophecies that he will come again, that he will return. There are over 200 prophecies yet to be fulfilled for Jesus coming again. And, and so the Apostle Paul writes to the the, the, the Jesus followers in Rome, and he says this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and the encouragement they provide, we might have. And so what's the track record of the one offering hope? Perfect track record. Second question we have to ask, if we're really going to believe that Jesus is going to get us to heaven, that there's an afterlife and Jesus will get us there, is do they have the power and desire to deliver the hope they promise? Angus Reid surveyed Canadians, and you know, half of us believe, and here, let me get the way they word it, that life continues in some way after you die. And guess what? Millennials... Millennials, least church-going generation compared to previous ones, it surprised millennials, 70% believe in life after death. 
The University of Lethbridge, Alberta sociologist, tried to figure it out, Reginald Bibby, and he said, well, it seems to have something to do with pop culture and, and even video games. You know, you can guess, boop, and then you, someone, they're alive again, I guess. I, anyway, I, I want to base it on something more than that, personally. <laughs> Recently, Pastor Jonathan asked me to do a funeral preparation seminar, and if you're ever helping prepare a gathering for someone that you love, that, that resource is going to be available to you online. But you know what? I, it got me thinking, Pastor Jonathan, you know what I hear a lot at, uh, when I visit with people, especially if they're, they don't know a lot about the Lord and they're just trying to soften the finality of death amongst themselves and I'm visiting with the family or with people before, they'll often say things like this. Well, Pastor Keith, they've gone to a better place. And I want to say, how do you know? How do you know? If you're just really, is that a wish? Is that a, is that a guarantee? How do you know that they're gone to a better place? And I, I've heard it this way too. I, I've, I've known some people, they didn't live the best life. And I remember one time someone said to me, Pastor, now, they're, now they've become an angel. I'm thinking, the chances of becoming a... Anyway, <laughs> I think you're going to need a little help from Jesus on that one. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I cringe when a baby dies and someone sends a card that, oh, I guess God just needed another angel. Oh. Where does that stuff come from? It's just wish. At best, it's an attempt, a sincere attempt to soften death's reality, the finality of it. What, what about religion? What hope do you find? Is there any religious leader that we can follow that has the power to raise us from the dead and get us to heaven? Does Buddha have that power? Mohammed, Confucius? Go through the list. Do any of them? I was in a grocery store lineup in Markham last week, and uh, I heard a woman say to another, she said, I, I, who knows what they're talking about? I just, you know, my ears perked up. I, I, did I just hear? She said, I believe when you go to heaven, the relatives that have died before you are the first ones to greet you. And I want to turn to her, I want to go in the grocery store and say, based on what? Well, like, I believe. She believes it. It's up there next to the guarantee. She believes it. Okay. Listen, when Jesus promised to take his followers to heaven, remember how we just read about it from the Gospel of John? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus wasn't saying, my religion is better than your religion. If you want a religion that gets you to heaven, you better follow me. Jesus is saying this. He is saying, I will do whatever it takes to get you into heaven where things are done the way my father and I wanted them to be done from the beginning of when we created human beings. I have what it takes to get... Listen, if someone is going to claim they have what it takes to get me into eternal life, they're going to have to have three powers. First of all, they're going to have to have the power to cleanse away whatever is in my life that if I took me into the afterlife, I'd mess it up. 
Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? Cleansed away all of my sins. They'd have to secondly have the power to transform me into the kind of being that could handle eternal life. How many know this body's going to die, go to the grave, ashes to ashes, dust to dust? But listen to what the Apostle Paul said. He said, absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And Jesus has shown us he has the power to do that because Jesus not only entered into death, Jesus rose from the dead. And so they have the power. And and, and scripture will tell us that we're going to have a glorified body. It's going to be different from this one that wears out. It's going to be one that can handle living forever. And then thirdly, they're going to have to love us enough to do, <laughs> to do whatever it takes to forgive our sins. Jesus loved us enough to die on the cross. They're going to have to love us enough to get us into that place where there, things are done heavenly forever. You know, no wonder the favorite verse in the Bible is, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You believe in him, he's saying, it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. It's saying, if you're going to have a certain hope for life after death, you're certainly going to have to have someone on your team that has the power to raise humans from the dead. You're going to have to go with them. You're going to have to trust them. And, and listen, listen to a first century follower of Peter. Remember Peter followed, first follower of Jesus amongst the group that were first followers of Jesus? He said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for? How many could say for me? (laughs) For me. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Have you ever been told that the power's off? Go ahead. Electricity, right? There's these construction guys and one, they, were, they were digging down and they found this power line. And one, the guy up top said to the guy down below, he said, go ahead and cut the wire, the power's off. The guy down there, he said, he had the, you know, the big things to slice the electrical cord. He says, are you sure? He says, I'm sure. He went to cut it. Are you 100% certain? I'm 100% certain. He went, then you come and cut it. <laughs> you know what he said? I'm not that sure. <laughs> See, we, we've got to know. We've got to know. And the, listen to me, the incomparable and the life-death critical advantage the follower of Jesus has is that we're following someone who went into death. Jesus died. Last book of the Bible, he appears before one of his first followers, Apostle John, he says, I was dead. I was dead, but now I'm alive, alive forevermore. How many are thankful that Jesus cuts the wire of death 
so it won't kill those who are in Christ. Jesus rose again, and that's how we know there's life. We're guaranteed there's, there's life on the other side of death. We, we have a Jesus-guaranteed hope. That means that whatever goes wrong in this life, how many of the future will still be the best? <laughs> future will always be the best. All right, but here's the third question. We're going to have to put this here. Do they control, do they have control over the future to guarantee hope? Because someone can have the power, desire, and, but they don't know. They can't get out there in the future and guarantee it that it's going to happen unless, of course, you're the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You're, you're, you're already out there in the future. Esther and I were at a home show when we first moved to Toronto and we'd never purchased a gas barbecue before, but we had the hookup at the place we were living here in Toronto. And so we were at the home show, and, and this advertising slogan really stood out for us because they said, make this barbecue your last. I mean, I, I thought about it. I said, you mean like, if I buy this one, I can expect it to last a lifetime. On the sales guy, guaranteed, you know? I thought that's great. No planned obsolescence here. This is good, you know. Uh, home show special. Price was right. Within a few years, that sucker had rusted out. <laughs> I remember trying to get bolts for it and put them back on with WD-40. And, uh, like, and I, I checked out the company. I thought, they said this thing would last long, you know, make this better. They had gone out of business. You see, that's what's unique about Jesus. This hope's going to last forever because Jesus ain't never going out of business. He will always be. When he tells us to come into the future, he's already there. Notice in that declaration he made to John on the island of Patmos, he says, I am the living one, I die, but look, read it aloud together with me. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. And because I live, yeah, I'm going to live forever. It's guaranteed. It's a written guarantee from Jesus in the last book of the Bible. By, by the way, if you keep reading, I had to read. I love this. I love this. Look at this. Last chapter of the same book. No longer will there be a curse on anything. This is our future, okay? For the throne of God and of the Lamb, the Lamb is the Lamb of God, Jesus, and the Lamb will be there and his servants, that's us, will worship him and they will see his face and there will be no more night there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. I can't read that without tingles going down my spine. So, so let's look at the graph again. So what do we do? The hope for the afterlife, trusting Jesus to get us there, is that, that's more than a wish and expectation. It's more than even a belief. It's guaranteed by Jesus who's already out there in the future. He's preparing a place for us in heaven. Oh, if you aren't trusting Jesus today, you can start. You say, Jesus, you gave your life for me when you died on the cross to forgive me. And I, I receive that forgiveness as a Christmas gift. I receive eternal life as a gift. 
I'm going to mess up in this life, but you'll just keep forgiving me until I'm with you in heaven someday. Because we have this hope guaranteed by Jesus, two things before we pray. Watch this. Let's defy the darkness. Right on? Let's defy. If we, if we know what we know because of what's guaranteed by Jesus, let's defy the darkness. Oh, let those who walk in darkness confess they have seen a great light. Right on? Let's, let's, let's Jesus... Our trust is in you. Listen, listen to Jesus. He says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I mean, you look at what's going on on the planet these days. I mean, what are we doing? Bullying, egotistical heads of state countries that are, think nothing of slaughtering their populations just for the sake of their own... Uh, advancement or legacy in world history or something. I, I don't, I, you just don't. People just so careless about, about planet or anything. We're told the future is looking dark. The future of the climate, politics, and food security are all looking dark. Very, very dark. I, I, matter of fact, the word hopeless is being used by some very brilliant people in describing the future. And sometimes it also gets very dark in our personal world. Like what you're going through this darkest month in Canada of the year, December. I don't know what you're going through, but it can get pretty dark in our, our personal world. You can be going through a trial. You could be joining us online. You may feel, I, I, I can't even get, get, you had that option, but you didn't even feel you could, had enough in you to get to church today to, in a physical gathering. Not seeing a whole lot of light. I want to announce to you that darkness, however dark it gets, it can't change the truth of what Jesus says to you about being your light and lighting up the way into a future. He said that he would be with us to the end of the age and then that we would be with him forever. And he said he would give his spirit, he would give us power to be his witnesses, to shine his lights for him until he returns. So, so we have hope, however dark it gets in the world, even, even in the end, even when things in the life of a loved one, I'll never forget, and Esther will know, my wife will know who I'm talking about, this, this uh, young man, father of, of three wonderful kids, and he was dying in the hospital, and the doctor said, we don't have nothing more that we can do. And I said to his wife, and I shouldn't have said, it just came out of me. I, I said, well, as long as there's life, there's hope. She said, oh, pastor, she said, I, I believe that even when there isn't life here, that there's hope forever. She so sweetly corrected me. Oh, thank God for that hope. Darkness is absolutely helpless to keep us dead however dark it gets. And until then, darkness cannot snuff out the light of Jesus that's burning on the candle of my spirit, right? Can't. Listen, this hope, I love this, this hope will not lead to disappointment. <laughs> How many have had wishes, expectations, even guarantees that have led to disillusionment, disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. St. Francis of Assisi said it this way. He said, all the darkness of the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. 
just a few moments, I'm going to invite you to defy the darkness. Our elders are going to come at the end of this gathering and, and there'll be people praying with you online. But whatever area of your life where there's darkness, you're saying, oh, Jesus, light this up. I'm turning to you. We're, we're going to pray with you. We're going to pray with you about that. And then, and then secondly, we defy the darkness and then we illuminate the way to hope for others. A lot of people see followers of Jesus these days and they're angry and they just seem to just get all upset about the darkness of our world and upset at people who don't share their views. Jesus said that his followers would be known for their love, <laughs> to be light, lighting up the way. One of my favorite quotes of Martin Luther King is where he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. How many are glad that we know that we don't fight darkness with more darkness? Darkness is just the absence of light. Jesus told us to get out there and light up our world. Right on? Get out there and light up the world. That's why we have the mission of this church the way that it is stated. We, that's why we're inviting people to Christmas Eve, the Christmas party, Alpha in January. That's why this morning I invited you to begin following Jesus because that's what we do. We defy the darkness, but then we, we, light, we illuminate the way for others to find Jesus. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Esther and I were uh, taking care of uh, three of our grandchildren while the parents were away on their first ever trip away from their, their kids, and we were taking care of them for a few days, and I got them each a little candle. I wasn't even thinking of this series. I just, one of those crazy things a grandfather does when he's in a dollar store. But anyway... Um, I, 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 you know, the kids, they enjoyed the candles, the boys. Eleanor just, uh, she's two years old. What's she seeing? That attraction to the, the beauty and warmth of a candle. I think that's the way it is with when you and I defy the darkness. <laughs> and we have Jesus shining in our lives. Isn't that what he said? Let your light shine before men that they will see your good works, and they'll be drawn to, they'll be glorifying your Father in heaven. How many know that's our job? <laughs> to attract people to the light, to let them see the warmth and the beauty of Jesus in our lives. How many can say amen to that? I want to do that, Jesus, this Christmas. You know, first, Pastor Jonathan explained it first uh, Sunday of Advent season, first Sunday of December, and so we're going to light a candle today as a church family, you know, one for hope, and then for peace, and then joy, and then near the end of December, last Sunday of December, uh, love, and so today we're going to light a light of, of hope, but I'll tell you what, we're, we're going we're gonna to first of all hear from someone in our church family who is in a time of darkness, but they have hope. And we've asked them to be the one that, on behalf of our church family, everyone online in this room in Toronto, they light the first candle, candle of Advent, uh, the light of hope. But, but first, listen to their story. Hey, Rui, I am so glad that you decided to come and sit down with me and have this conversation. We know you from volunteering in our office through the week, and I know some of your story. I knew you were going through some health concerns, and we were praying with you. You got a diagnosis back in 2005. Yes, that's right. And 2017, 
the symptoms started getting a little bit more real for you. And even through COVID, you were even hospitalized for a period of time. Mm -hmm. You're still waiting for some medical answers. Yes. How, how does it feel to be waiting that long for an answer to prayer? It's very difficult, Pat, because <clears throat> sometimes you feel that you're really down in a dark hole mm. and that you may not even come out of it. But my hope, my prayer to Jesus is that he will come through for me. And so I cried out to him and I said, Jesus, where are you? You show yourself to a lot of people who do not believe in you. And then they believe because you showed up. But where are you showing up for me? Let me know that you're with me. And he did show up the next day. Yeah. How would you encourage others who are sitting in the same season as you? A lot of us Christians, we want Jesus, when we pray to him, to do it tomorrow for us. I believe and have faith and hope that his timing is perfect. And I know there's a scripture verse, I think I told you, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. Because I believe that we have our hope in eternity with Him all, always. And even if we don't get our answers here on earth, that we will be with Him in eternity. All new Christians are who is waiting and hoping and praying and not getting answers, not to give up on Him, because He will never give up on you. That's beautiful, Rui. And so as a community, we say thank you for sharing your story. And we also would invite you on, on our behalf to come and light the Advent candle for hope, to, uh, to express your hope in Jesus. So what area of uh, your life, darkness, is there or threatening to invade or to extinguish? But you can't, you can't. You're going to defy the darkness today, right? How about you join me in prayer? And, and then for a lot of you, when our elders come and Pastor Jonathan will lead you into that moment, right at the end of the gathering where elders will be available to pray with you to help that illustration, light the candle in prayer. That you'll, you'll let that light shine this, this Advent season over whatever darkness is trying to lessen the light in your life. But let me just pray over you that until then that you would be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer and Lord, I pray over people online and in this room in Toronto that along with the Apostle Paul prayed for first century Christians in Rome who were living in dark times. I pray that the God, the source of hope, would fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, just as centuries ago before you came at the first Christmas, 
so may we who await your coming again, may we who walk in darkness see that great light and let our light shine. In Jesus' name, amen, Lord. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.